and ask for his mercies on his word tonight. God and Heavenly Father, again we come. We come and we come and we pray and we pray because we always recognize on the one hand how you satisfy us in Christ and yet how we at the same time are in need of you from day to day. And that's certainly true when it comes to receiving your word, that it as it's ministered, that your spirit who has inspired your word may also be of, at work in us and in what is ministered so that you might be all the more exalted and your son and spirit, the one only God. We pray, Father, that we would receive your word, Lord, as we should, that it may be brought clearly, faithfully, and, Father, that your name may be at the forefront along with Jesus and your spirit, and that whether it's from this pulpit or as we're receiving your word, we may all have that sense that we are to be the lesser and you and your son and spirit are to be the greater. We pray then that you would hear us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be turning again, as I mentioned this morning, if you have, weren't here this morning, I mentioned, as you might see also in your bulletin, <clears throat> that it worked out this week that <laughs> I was going to be both in the morning and in the evening looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with you, and that's the case. We're going to be picking up at verse 12 and reading through to verse 22 tonight, uh, given the fact that we can't, we're carrying on in our Heidelberg Catechism series, and we're up to Lord's Day 45 now, getting into that prayer section that's part of the Thanksgiving section of the Catechism, and we'll see that tie also in our passage tonight, we pray. Uh, we'll be looking at Lord's Day 45, page 57 in the back of the Psalter hymnals, the blue Psalter hymnals. Before we go to that, <clears throat> we're going to go to the Word. Looking at 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, starting with verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. That's as far as we'll read from God's word. We take a moment to consider Lord's Day 45. Questions 116, 117, and 118. And then, of course, what we have at the end is the Lord's Prayer in question 119. 
Question 116 asks, why do Christians need to pray? And the answer is given because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us, and also because God gives his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking him for them. Question 117 asks, how does God want us to pray so that he will listen to us? First, we must pray, says the answer, from the heart. To no other than the one true God who has revealed himself in his word, asking for everything he has commanded us to ask for. Second, we must acknowledge our need and misery, hiding nothing, and humble ourselves in his majestic presence. Third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That is what he promised us in his word. Question 118 asks, what did God command us to pray for? Everything we need spiritually and physically as embraced in the prayer Christ our Lord himself taught us which we find in question 119, the Lord's Prayer. May God's blessing truly be on his word this day again. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when people ask, what's God's will for me, or what's God's will for us, they can mean many things by asking that question. It's a very pertinent question, as I understand it, I think it's uh, anticipated that in the next season's youth group, that's going to be a question that gets asked, material that's being used, uh, dealing with what it is that God's will is for my life. And that is certainly when you're a young person, uh, something that as you're looking ahead in your life uh, is a good question to ask. Some might be asking that when they're asking, what is it that God wants me to do with my life's work, or at least my life's work at this point or in the next couple of years. It might be about what college do I attend or do I attend a college? Should I attend college? Should I just go to pursue my career right after high school? They might be asking, what is it that the Lord wants me to do so that we're obedient to his will? And that, of course, is a very good question to be asking. And And of course, when we think about that, we think oftentimes about the Ten Commandments and God's will that way. But as we're reminded tonight, we also take a look at a portion of Scripture like this one, and we realize that part of God's will for us is also prayer. That prayer is part of God's will for us, whether it has to do with its regularity or the thanksgiving that we give by way of prayer. Uh, It's fitting for prayer to be found in the thanksgiving section of the catechism because it's not only God's will for us, as are the Ten Commandments, uh, to express our gratitude that way, uh, but indeed uh, it it is uh, in itself a, a tool that we may be able to use given to us by God to express our gratitude to the Lord. Uh, he, he also calls us to express our thanksgiving through our prayers. He's asking us, he's calling us 
uh, to show our gratitude to the Lord, of course, and all that we're doing, but prayer can, can help us towards that end. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a few moments, but this is God's will for our lives. If we think about it uh, in terms of thanksgiving and prayer, uh, these are parts and parcel of what it is that God wants us to be, a, a thankful people, it, certainly in our practice, certainly in our prayers, certainly in our praise, and, and all of those things, while, while they have that distinction about them, they also have uh, that overlap that finds themselves in each other. Practice is, is being done driven by thanksgiving, prayer being done uh, in thanksgiving, prayer being done for thanksgiving, and our praise showing forth thanksgiving and really being, as we'll see too also in a second, uh, a means even by which we show forth a prayerful spirit. So we're going to be looking at the Christian's calling to prayer tonight and consider the, the necessity of prayer, uh, the manner, and the essence of prayer. We look first of all at the necessity of prayer. Now people will ask us, or we maybe ask ourselves when we're thinking hard about the Christian faith, and People say, well, why should Christians pray if, if God has the power over everything and he knows what we need even before we ask? And the Bible even tells us that the, that the Father knows what we ask even before we ask those things. But we want to be careful that we don't overanalyze the issue. Because when we have been restored to a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, which is the backdrop of the prayer uh, activity that we carry out, uh, when we've been restored to that right relationship, we are once again on speaking terms with him. Our relationship has been restored so that we can once again commune with him. If you ever see people at odds with one another, one of the things that often happens is that the parties will not speak to one another. It might be for a short period, or it might be for a long period. You get annoyed by what somebody says, and you just don't say anything. You might say something, but another way of looking at it is you just don't talk. And some people hold things on other people so long that they never talk with them. And they'll go to their grave before they'll talk with somebody. But without Jesus Christ, our speaking terms with the Lord are cut off also. Now the Lord's word is spoken, but unless we respond to his word, whether we uh, trust it, find our forgiveness in his son, uh, we can by no wise be bringing, our, and nor will we have a desire to bring our prayers to the Lord. Uh, we cannot communicate with him. But with that reconciliation that the Lord has accomplished, we once again can commune. Where God restores communion, it makes no sense, therefore, for us to have no communion with him by word of mouth. God did not restore us simply so that we would continue in this one-sided relationship with him. Uh, providing, having him provide for us, having him speak to us through the scriptures about his care and about his keeping and about the wonders he's done and the power that he's shown and the provision that he has and the promises that he uh, continues to carry out. Uh, 
how can we do that without gratitude expressed? And, and how can we do that without seeking him out? That wouldn't show communion if we took that kind of ingrate, ungrateful and, and avoiding kind of mentality. It's communion restored that the Lord has brought about through his son. And it is that communion that he wants us to express through prayer. The Catechism says to us that prayer is the most important part of thanksgiving that God requires of us. And that might be something that we're tempted to question. Ponder on that. But if we think about it, it does make sense because prayer involves the use of the mouth. And the use of the mouth is the most appropriate vehicle by which we can express thanksgiving from the heart. And if we remember again Jesus telling us in Matthew 12, 34 and, and Luke chapter 6, verse 45, that out of the overflow of the mouth or the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart is going to find itself in how you speak. Through our mouth, then, prayers are going to flow forth from a heart that's changed uh, because of the Spirit of Christ. There are no doubt other means by which we give thanks. But certainly through the mouth comes the most direct of means. Looking at it from a different angle, even our praise, though, though indeed distinct from prayer, can be seen as a form of prayer, isn't it? Because it's our opportunity of communion, communing, communicating with the Lord in response to what the Lord has first done for us, what the Lord has first communicated to us in Jesus Christ, in the gospel, in Christ our Savior from sin and Lord of our lives. But somebody might say, but, but doesn't the Lord tell us that the greatest of commandments is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, and the second is like it, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves? Aren't they the greatest ways? Doesn't scripture tell us that to obey is greater than sacrifice? One of the teachers of the law said to Jesus, Well said, teacher, you are right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And this reply Jesus saw as a wise answer. And so then you might ask yourself still, Well, how can then prayer be cheap? But prayer being the chief part of thanksgiving is not meant to be playing off the commandments over against prayer. As if to say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter nearly as much if I'm busy being obedient as long as I'm a praying person. Because that's a false dichotomy. You know, if we wish to be thankful through obedience... We need to be thankful in prayer, don't we? And we need to be praying so we can be thankful through what we do. We're not opposing obedience to prayer because, well, for one thing, prayer is obedience, but prayer helps us in our obedience. But to seek to be thankful in what we do without seeking the Lord in prayer doesn't make sense. 
seeking the Lord in prayer for grace, for spirit, to be thankful. If, if we seek to be thankful without asking for help of that, that's, a, that's an exercise in futility. Whether it's respecting those who work hard among you, like our passage says, you know, those are things for which you can be praying, right? It's an appropriate thing considering that installation this morning. You know, whether you're asking, you know, to res if you call, you want to be respecting those who labor among you and, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their, their work, that, that's something you'd want to pray about. To want to be like that. Or warning those who are idle or encouraging the timid or helping the weak or being patient with everyone. Avoiding vengeance. Seeking to be kind to each other or anyone else. Being joyful always. Testing things. Avoiding evil. Holding on to the good. Even, even the benediction that we didn't read speaks to... Uh, to that that idea that God would, would sanctify the members of the church. It's really a prayer, isn't it? May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. But you know, We can't do that on our own. He needs to do it. We need his help to do it. One person has said that, that prayer is the soul, the soul of the commandment. Uh, the commandment without prayer is a corpse. That prayer without the commandment is a ghost. You know, that, that, that's part of the reason that our catechism says that God gives his grace and spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts, and then thanking him for them. Catechism doesn't pull this out of thin air. Again, it's the way the scripture speaks. It's how they speak to us here in 1 Thessalonians, so that we will be joyful, and so that we will be thankful, and because we have reason to be thankful, Paul concludes his letter to be joyful always, pray continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. There's always reason for prayer, whether it is the joy of the Lord, who has all things in his fatherly hands for us and, and uh, for his glory, whether it is the needs that we have or whether it is with the thanks that we can give, even remarkably in the most unpleasant of circumstances. There's always reason for thanks. When God is our Heavenly Father in Christ, because that never changes. Otherwise, this idea of rejoicing always makes no sense either. There's always reason for hope when we're in Christ. Paul said to the church in Thessalonica at the beginning of the letter that their endurance is inspired, their endurance is inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, chapter 1, verse 3. There's always reason for hope. There's always reason to endure because of Christ. And therefore, there's always reason for thanks. 
Amazingly, even the darkest of days give us reason for thanks. That's certainly our comfort. We wouldn't want it a different way. We wouldn't want it to be able to say, well, in the darkest days, there is no reason for thanks because that would make it sound like God's not there. Christ isn't accomplished. There aren't the promises of the future to, to dictate the way we, we live. And would our hope not be lost if, if our Heavenly Father in Christ Jesus were not greater with the light of His hope than the darkest of our days? Oh, how thankful we need to be that the light of the hope of Christ and His gospel is so much brighter than the darkest of our days. Dark those days may be. Would we then not have reason to give up hope if it were not so? Would we then not have reason to stop being thankful? Would we then not have reason to stop being joyful? Would we not have reason to stop praying? We know, however, that the Lord is in the midst of everything. And he's molding, he's making us after his will, and, and that he'll work it all out to the good of those who love and are called according to his purposes. And that's why we need to pray continually. That's why we need to pray with a thankful heart before the Lord and, and, and see it as our most important expression of it. Of course, there's also the manner that we must consider. First, we need to pray with purity and sincerity. We mentioned about, in times past, about how the Tenth Commandment is a matter of the heart. Keeping the Tenth Commandment is going to include praying with pure motives and desires. As we mentioned, it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth is going to speak, and if that overflow is genuine and it's pure, then we're going to find ourselves praying and we're going to find ourselves praying with sincerity. Such sincere prayers have to be made to the one God. Can't be a God of our own making, as we confess. No other than the one true God. It has to be the God of the Bible. We can't be praying to saints, dead saints, patron saints, who can, uh, who presumably could could go to the Lord on our behalf. No, we're to pray to the living God. We're to pray to the God of the living. We're to pray only to God and, and to do so with right motives and for the right things, of course. We need to pray with head and heart. If we pray for the right things, but we don't mean it, then we shouldn't expect our prayers to be heard. And if we pray with the right heart, but in contrary to the Lord's will, we should not expect to be answered. If we pray passionately but with the wrong motives or with, for the wrong things, we cannot expect God to listen. The Lord wants us to pray in accordance with his will and not as if we don't care about our own prayers. We're also supposed to be praying with a spirit of dependence. In Christ, we have all things necessary for our relationship with God, but that doesn't mean that we're not a needy people. We still pray for the forgiveness of this, our sins. If we believe we're in communion with the Father in heaven, we must still pray as dependent children 
in need of things like a child who comes to his father. We don't take those for granted. Those things which only God ultimately can provide. We acknowledge him as the source of those things and the reason that we receive them. That is what moves us to supplication on the one hand, seeking supply, and thanksgiving on the other, because we know whether we're seeking supply or we're giving thanks for what's already been given, it all comes from the same source. And that dependence includes a humble reverence. We're nothing without it. We're in the presence of his holiness when we pray. And we must, uh, we must act accordingly. That involves even our posture, right? It involves, do we really understand as we're praying, right? Where are we? Where, what's going on right now? Uh, this isn't just a, a moment to be sitting and, and lounging. This is a moment before the throne of grace. And of course, we're supposed to be confident. The Lord tells us, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open unto you. He teaches us, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Because he's a great high priest, we may approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And of course, that doesn't allow us to ask for anything, nor should we ever forget that even his listening to us is a gift. For we don't deserve his listening ear. God doesn't exist simply to give us whatever we want. We exist for him. But the reason that he listens is because of the worthy one, Jesus Christ. We need to keep that in mind when we pray. It keeps us humble, but it'll also keep us confident. For Christ is our surety that the Lord will listen to our prayers. We may not always get what we think that we need, but we'll always get what the Lord knows we need to glorify him. His name. So that covers the manner of our prayers. There's also the essence of our prayers. We are to pray, and we ask that question, what, do God, what did God command us to pray for? Well, we're to pray for everything that we need. No wonder that we are to pray regularly. Some needs remain the same over life. You get up in the morning... Maybe you pray once you get up. Maybe you pray when you're at the breakfast table. Or you have some other time as the day begins that you spend time in prayer. And, and you might find that as you're praying things and you do this on a regular basis, that it might seem kind of like a rerun. Because you're covering a lot of things that you covered the day before. But that's okay. Because what you needed yesterday is what you need today as well. And of course, later on as we look through the Lord's Prayer, we're reminded of that when we pray for our daily bread. But uh, it's all right if you find yourself praying for the same things over life because a lot of times those everyday things are the things that we need the most, right? Some needs never change. Some needs do. But we need to pray for everything. That's, uh, 
that's necessary. We we need to pray in times of our physical distress or that of others. We we need to pray when we're healthy and not just when we're in distress. And maybe when we've been in distress and we've been able to recover, it makes you pray with thanksgiving for your health a whole lot more fervently than you ever did before. You know, when you're young, when you're boys and girls out there, you maybe you don't think about, and I'm not trying to say you don't, but, but maybe you don't think about praying for your health because you're bounding about, you're doing what you want, and it's not a problem. But that's not always a given. And there's times when that health is taken from you, and if you get it back, you're much more thankful when you receive it again. We need to pray for our travels. This time of year, a lot of people making plans or who have made plans to travel, and we don't want to take for granted those travels, even travels that aren't that far, uh, because we pray that the Lord will spare us. And we take nothing for granted, because time and life is a gift. We pray for our daily bread. We we pray for our futures. We need to pray for the things that are close to our heart. We want to pray about what the Lord's will is for us in the days to come. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for others. We need to pray for our labors. We need to pray for our growth and our development. And we need to pray for those things that are remarkable in our lives, that, that just cause our mouths to gape. And we need to pray for those everyday things of life, lest we take them for granted, even our eating and drinking. We don't want to take for granted those things, and we will not take them for granted if we keep on praying. The same is true about our spiritual needs. There's a need to pray for conversion. There's a need to pray for sanctification. There's a need to pray for forgiveness. There's a need to pray for Christ's church. A need to pray for the mission effort of the church. A need to exalt the name of the Lord and for the strength to do so with our whole heart. A need uh, that way to give thanks in all circumstances and for the strength and wisdom and grace to do it. There's a need to pray. Oh yeah. And we thank the Lord that he's given us his model prayer that embraces the essence of prayer. And we look forward, I hope you do, it's good for me again to, to view the elements of that prayer uh, so that we might appreciate the calling to prayer more and more in our lives. There's a need to prayer, uh, to pray. When it comes to expressing our thanksgiving or helping us in thankful, obedient living, it's the most important part of thanksgiving that the Lord requires of us. How can we expect grace in God's spirit if we don't ask or aren't thankful for them? When we pray with sincerity, dependence, and confidence, we also show the need for prayer and how to pray. When we bring all our needs to the Lord, we're also showing how important prayer is to our lives. May we be thankful for prayer. And may we be thankful with our prayers. 
as the Lord has called us to be. And that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's take a moment ourselves to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you make it clear to us the need for prayer, the needs of prayer, the ways in which we ought to pray. And we're grateful, Father, that as we look in life, as we look at what you've done, what's in store for us, the things we know, the things that we don't, that all of these things bring about an even greater motivation for us to seek you out in prayer. May it be done, Father, sincerely, with gratitude, with wisdom, with acknowledgement, Father, that you are the source of all that we are and the source of all that we'll become. And that as you have restored in the lives of your people a communion with you through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, may we find that the spirit of our prayers and the times of our prayer are a sweet communion with you, to be sure. And just like we know that prayer, that, that we need to breathe in order to, to live, may we find that we see prayer in the same way, in a spiritual manner. May you accept our prayers, Father, again this evening, in the name of Jesus.